You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 72. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with James Scott Bell, who is a winner of the International Thriller Writers Award for his novel, Romeo's Way. Uh, Jim has also written uh, several best-selling novels on the craft of writing, and that's how I first found out about uh, James' work, uh, was through his uh, writing books, his books for writers. And then I found out that he wrote thrillers, so I uh, went and uh, read a couple of his, uh, his thrillers and said, I have to have this guy on the podcast. And uh, lucky for us, he said yes. So that interview is coming up here in uh, just a moment. Before I get to the interview, I want to let you know about this awesome promotion that I'm participating in. It's run by the uh, folks over at uh, Book Sweeps. And it's a chance uh, to enter to win 50-plus crime fiction and thriller novels, as well as a brand-new e-reader. And there's a collection of free reads on every entry. And so it's pretty amazing. You can go check it out at uh, thrillingreads.com forward slash book sweeps and my first book the asset is a part of this uh, promotion and so i'm really excited about that it's the first promotion i've run this year and we're already in mid-october of 2018 so i I need to step this up for for 2019 it's a great lineup of authors 50 plus novels and uh, several authors who i've interviewed in this podcast uh, are participating in this uh, great promotion as well Um, authors like dan ames celie james Ethan Jones, Caroline Arnold, David Behrens, uh, Steve Concali, just to name a few. Uh, if I've missed anybody, my apologies. But like I said, 50-plus uh, novels, mine included. Uh, so go check it out at uh, thrillingreads.com forward slash book sweeps. And the uh, promotion uh, is running now until October 25th. So go check it out. All right, so here is my interview with James Scott Bell. Hey everybody, this is Alan with Meet the Thriller Author, and for this uh, episode of the podcast, I'm talking with James Scott Bell, who I have here on Skype. How are you doing, James? I'm feeling good. How are you? I'm doing uh, doing well. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I, I appreciate that. Well, it's great. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. I've, I I discovered you through your through your nonfiction books, which we'll we'll get into uh, as well as your 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 thriller and your suspense books. But uh, for the listeners, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, about yourself? Well, I'm an L.A. boy. I uh, grew up in Los Angeles, went to college at UC Santa Barbara, where I studied writing with Raymond Carver. That bar was very high, and uh, so I kind of got the idea that I didn't really have what it took to be a writer, so I decided to go into something more stable, uh, acting. Um, so I, I spent uh, several years uh, as an actor and uh, got married to a beautiful actress, so decided we needed one steady income and ended up going to law school at USC, Southern California, and then uh, practiced law. And uh, then a few years uh, after uh, I'd started practicing law, my wife and I went to the movies. We, wanted, we were going to a double feature to, uh, I wanted to see Wall Street, that Charlie Sheen, uh, Michael Douglas movie. But the, the uh, movie on the bill with it was one I didn't know about. But since we were there, we watched it. And it was um, the movie Moonstruck with Cher. And that movie just knocked me out because it was so unexpected. It was so well written, beautifully done. And I came out of that saying, you know, people said you can't really learn how to be a fiction writer. And I'm going to try to prove them wrong. And that started me on a journey to try to really study the craft, learn how to do it, 
And lo and behold, I did, uh, started to get published, and then I started also to teach. And that's, that's where I am today. Also, oh, for Moonstruck, so that's interesting. And, and how did Moonstruck lead you? You're writing a lot of like a legal thrillers and, and those type of books. How did, that, how did those, those two come about? It's, that's interesting. I mean, originally it was just I wanted to, to write screenplays that uh, could move people, like uh, Moonstruck uh, moved me. I wasn't really concentrating on any particular genre. The screenwriting education taught me all about structure and doing scenes and dialogue, all, all things that would serve me well later uh, when I started to write fiction. And, and when I did, somebody had the, the bright idea to tell me, hey, Jim, you're a lawyer. Why don't you write legal thrillers? Duh. So, so I said, okay, I'll do that. I'll, I'll, I started with legal thrillers and have done a, a number of those and then have also expanded into uh, other kinds of thrillers as well. And how many books do you have uh, published out so far? Well, uh, probably including books uh, with the traditional publishing and books with um, that I've done on my own more recently. I'm probably up to around 35, 40 books. And I also include the uh, some shorter novella types and and my books on writing. So I've got a number of those out as well. Did the stuff that you learned from Raymond Carver, did that come to play after the you got over the intimidation part? Well, as I look back on that workshop and also uh, Carver's own writing, the thing that I learned from him is something uh, that we call the telling detail. And, and that is a, a single image that the writer puts into the story uh, something of, dis- of the description of, of the scene that is very subtle and yet is the one image that kind of captures what is happening in the scene, the, the emotion of it, the meaning of it, the depth of it. And he is really a master at that because he, he writes these stories that uh, a lot of the time are just kind of you know domestic couples and so on. And uh, it seems like they're not living lives of great adventure or importance, and yet the, something deep is happening in, with those characters. And the telling detail, if you when you can find it, and you can, you know, a writer really can if they concentrate. A lot of writers don't even think about it, but I try to do that when I'm writing a scene, and uh, that's that's the main thing I learned from Mr. Carver. Yeah, he especially he was more so short stories, right? I can, Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah. And his short stories come alive for that very reason. But, you know, the, a great short story is, contains, you know, one or maybe a, a couple scenes. And the scenes are vivid and extraordinary and great uh, when it's done well. And that's one of the ways you do that. So I translate that into when I'm writing a scene in a novel to try to get those details right. And were you, were you a fan of, uh, of thrillers and suspense books before you, you started to write them? Yes, uh, I, I I mean, I've always been a reader and a fan of, uh, I was a fan when I was a kid of adventure stories, um, uh, pirate stories, Tarzan stories, those sorts of things. And then a little bit later, uh, when I got into college, I, I loved reading uh, detective stories, the Raymond Chandler and and seeing a lot of, the, I was a film major, so I watched a lot of film noir and the classic crime movies. And so I think I've always had kind of a love for really stories, just stories that, that are exciting, that take you, that grab you. And 
especially the thrillers, Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock, my favorite director. So that's kind of where I've always leaned. And what's your latest uh, book out? Is that the Your Son is Alive? Is that the latest one? Yeah, that's a standalone thriller. Uh, Your Son is Alive. It would be sort of a cross between a psychological thriller and a domestic thriller, which is a genre that, you know, it takes ordinary life uh, people are, are, are leading and something really extraordinary happens to them. And then there's just a twisting and turning plot to get to the end. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm looking at the at it on Amazon now. I like the, your cover is really, uh, really awesome. Well, you know, as I've done both traditional publishing and independent publishing, and if you're going to do the independent route, um, you've really got to assemble a quality team. You know, you can't skimp on the covers for example you've got to have a cover design that's every bit as gripping as something um someone uh, a new york publisher would do so yeah it's it's about quality so i try to do that with my self-published work what are the differences that do you find between uh, uh publishing with a traditional the traditional router versus uh, doing it independently well, there's, there's <laughs> a loaded <some>, question. <laughs> there's some major differences. You know, that that would be a whole show in itself. Um, I think for me, the advantages of independent publishing, which once a writer kind of knows what they're doing and, and has built up a readership, um, then what the advantage of doing it yourself is that a book can come out when it's ready. Uh, with a publishing company, you often have to wait a year, 18 months, uh, for the, your book to be listed in their catalog and to be sold into stores and so on. So the I, there's a, just a great joy in being able to release a book when it's ready. Um, the other thing is that if you do it uh, well and correctly, like a really like a small business, you know, you're running a little publishing company yourself, the the return you get on ebook royalties is much greater for an independent publisher. So if you, if you are entrepreneurial, uh, and, and it's, I've written a book on this called how to make a living as a writer, which sort of gives all of the essential information that you need to, to do something like this. It's not that difficult. It just to understand, but it, it, it requires a certain discipline. Now, a lot of writers just don't, they're not wired that way or they don't want to be that way. And then when they, if they can work with a publisher who will handle all those details um, and it's a good relationship, that works as well. I've heard there have been a lot of changes, though, that even a publisher behind you, still, you still have to do a lot of heavy lifting yourself now, nowadays if, you, if you're an unknown. <laughs> so. Well, that's true. You have to... Um, you have to do a lot of the marketing effort um, because the uh, publicity for books has moved away from print media to online, and publishers are no um, are not dominant online like they could have been in uh, in print matter. And so, you know, being, being on a, in a social network, knowing how to work that network, not trying to be a hard sell guy and there's just a lot of nuances of it but yeah you you have to do that too for the for the publisher and uh, so you're going to have to do some work no matter what you do whether it's with the publisher or on your own and how many series uh, uh, are you working on actively I see you have the, there's a Ty Buchanan legal thriller series 
I wrote a series of uh, three books in the Ty Buchanan legal thriller series. Uh, people have asked me uh, if I'm going to write more. They want more. But, you know, this that that series is a perfect trilogy. It has about the best ending on, in the last book that I've ever done. It was just a perfect ending. And so I, I am loath to mess with that. So, um, so I have been concentrating on a new series, uh, the Mike Romeo thriller series about an ex cage fighter who is uh, trying to live under the grid in Los Angeles and how trouble always seems to find him and, and how he deals with that. And I've written three books in that. One of them uh, won a major award, uh, the International Thriller Writers Award. So I was very gratified by that. And so I'm going to continue that series. Uh, I'm working on the fourth one now, and the fifth one is in development. No, oh, yeah, that's great. I, I was going to ask you about that because I saw that on your on your bio about the uh, the International Thriller Writers Award. That uh, that must that must have been amazing. So was that the uh, we had a conference. Well, the International Thriller Writers Organization is, you know, a fantastic organization for those uh, who write contemporary thrillers, or well, not even contemporary, any kind of thriller. And they have a, a great big uh, conference every year in New York City, and uh, all the big names are, are part of that, and and has just a lot of great support. And they have a very prestigious award, and it's given in in different categories and one of the categories is the best ebook original and so one of my books Romeo's Way uh, uh, was submitted for in that category because uh, it was you know uh, an independent book and first appeared as an ebook and i was i was not i was one of five finalists and that was that was a pleasant surprise so i went to the banquet with my wife and we sat around and Lo and behold, they called my name. It's kind of like, I consider it like an Oscar. It's really like the Oscar for thriller writers. So um, I, I got up there and kind of mumbled my way through a speech. I was, I was stunned, but it was very pleasant. And um, the people there are just so very supportive. And uh, I, I'm very proud of that. And it's kind of a, a culmination of uh, all I've been trying to do. And then, uh, what what led you to uh, uh, to start writing um, books to help writers? Uh, when did that? When, when did you publish your first one? And and what got you thinking that uh, to try to tackle that? Well, because when I was tr uh, trying to learn how to write, uh, having been told you can't really learn from books, and uh, I'd been told that a number of times, I, I said, oh, I want to see if that's true. And I started to study books on writing like crazy. And as at the same time, I was always, I was writing every day and I was, uh, you know, just trying to fix my stuff and trying to learn and so on. And when I found out that you can learn and, and I was, I was not only learning, but I was discovering things, uh, kind of on my own. I'd read a novel and I'd say, Oh, Hey, the writer just did something there. Oh, I'm going to remember that. And I kind of built up my own, um, toolbox. So I was just so excited about that, that you can do it, that I want it. And also, you know, in a way that is understandable, you, you can learn these specific tools and, and, and techniques and understand them and put them into practice. So I was so pleased that I decided, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll teach this to other writers. I'll, uh, and so I started doing little workshops at 
writers conferences and I did an adult education class and suspense writing. And as I did that, I got better and better at teaching. And then I got involved with Writer's Digest magazine and began doing articles for them. And they eventually asked me to do their fiction column. And then they were, they were putting out a a series of books on, called Write Great Fiction on various aspects. And they asked me to do a book on plot and structure. And that was my first book. And it came out in 2004, and it is still in print. And people uh, come up to me constantly saying this book, you know, helped it, helped them. They showed me their book with all their sticky notes in it and so on. So that's very, very gratifying that I've been able to help writers. And so I've done several for Writer's Digest books and several on my own. Yeah, your book, the first book of yours uh that I read for uh, uh, as, for writing tips was the write your novel from the middle because I was always getting oh. stuck in the middle. <laughs> oh wow! And I found yeah. that very helpful. I I, th- I thought just the idea the how you how, your idea for that book in, in itself was like oh wow I was like was I just right away had to get it. <laughs> well, you know, that's nobody has ever written this, that before. Nobody's ever talked about that before. People talk about beginnings, they talk about endings, they talk about outlines, they talk about no outlines. And for, on just kind of on my own, kind of doing some research about what happens or should happen in the midpoint of a novel, I, 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 I discovered something that, that was being done in, in some of the best novels, the best movies, and so on. And the, as I began to apply that to my own writing, it really just it kind of illuminated um, so much of what I was doing. It really was a great, great discovery for me. And so I wrote this little book about it. And it's just, I, I think it's just sold, it sold more than almost anything of my, uh, of my other uh, self-published books, at least. And people really are responding to that. And I'm really glad about that, too. Because what I view it as when I teach the craft of writing is, you know, I'm just popping the hood and looking at the engine and kind of taking things apart and showing writers, hey, here's how you can assemble your own. And um, it's just very gratifying to me to be able to help other writers because that's the kind of help I wanted when I was first learning. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's great too because, like you, like you said, it doesn't matter if you're a plotter or you're a pantser. Um, you know, there's 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 something in the in there for tidbits for you in there. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's one of the great things about. Uh, writing from the middle and the, what I call the mirror moment in the very center of the book. The nice thing about it is if you like to outline your plot beforehand, that can be the sort of North star for you um, to clarify what your book should really be about. And then if you're a, a pantser and you just like to write, you know, go as you, as you please every day and, and see where it leads and you start to feel lost in the weeds, which most pantsers do at some point, uh, then you, then you can just say, Hey, wait a minute, I'm going to go to this midpoint mirror moment and try to figure out what that is. And then when you do that, boom, all of a sudden the whole book is illuminated for you. So it's, it it is a a great tool that you can use at any point. And do you do conferences on, uh, on that strategy or I've done, well, I've done all day seminars on it. I've done, uh, workshops on it. Um, so yeah, I've, I've spoken about it. I've done podcasts on it. I've, I've spoken all, uh, about it a lot. And what's your what's your style when you're writing your thrillers? Are you a are you a plotter or a pantser? Or? I would call myself a, a plotter. Um, I was trained as a screenwriter and uh, also trained in 
putting down scenes on uh, index cards and putting those you know, on a cork board and kind of outlining that way. So I use the writing software called Scrivener, which I know a lot of writers use. I also know a lot of writers who are intimidated by it. Um, but I try to counsel those writers that, you know, uh, you don't have to master all the bells and whistles of the program to get the benefit of it. One of the benefits of it is that you can write in scenes and you can outline scenes and put virtual index cards on a virtual cork board, just like I used to do when I was screenwriting. And so you can move those cards around and shape them any way you want. And so anyway, yeah, I'm a, now I'm not, I don't uh, outline extensively like some people like, uh, you know, uh, James Patterson or somebody who does these 80 page single spaced outlines. Uh, but I wrote a book called super structure, which is sort of my theory of the main beats of a, a, a novel or a screenplay for that matter. And I kind of view it as signposts. So I know that I want to get, for instance, in act one, I know where the main signpost scenes are and what I'm writing toward. But in between those, uh, I may, you know, I'll have an idea perhaps of what, where the scene's going to take place. But I can do some discovery, too, along the way. But I always know what the next signpost is going to be, and that leads me through the whole novel. Yeah, I think it's also great that you um, you kind of like, uh, what, how is that saying? You walk the walk, talk the talk, because you're actually writing these thriller books. And I read Final Witness because I was kind of curious. I'm like, oh, let's see. <laughs> and, it was, and obviously it was really good. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, you know, because a lot of teachers, you know, sometimes, you know, I mean, they're great teachers and everything, but they're not actually writing, you know, the thrillers and the suspense. So you're actually doing that. So I thought well, that was pretty awesome. Thank you for that. But I, you know, I've always considered myself a, a writer first and a teacher second. Although, I mean, a lot of people just, you know, view me as a, as a teacher who also writes, that's okay. I mean, I, whatever the perception is, but I'm, I've always concentrated on trying to be a great writer because that's what I love most, but I do love teaching and I do, um, you know, I do enjoy the fact that I do have kind of a track record so that people can trust what I'm, what I'm doing. And, um, uh, so I enjoy it. I enjoy both, but, um, I always consider myself a writer first and I'm, I probably always will. And what's it, when you're writing, a, a working on a project, do you set yourself like, um, like a word count goals or do you? Yeah. Quota. I've, you know, that was one of the earliest lessons I, I learned. Uh, somebody said, um, you know, you've got, you, you should write a certain number of words, not sit at the computer for a certain number of hours because, you know, you could sit there and play spider solitaire or whatever. So, yeah, I, I, so from the very beginning, I've set myself to do a quota. It used to be a daily quota and it's kind of still is, but I do a weekly quota of words now because, and I take one day off. I take Sunday off because I need to recharge my batteries, but the other six days, I'm trying to write 6,000 words per week and that averages to a thousand words a day. But you know, if I miss a day or there's some crisis that comes up or some reason I can't uh, work that day, I can make that up on the other days. So that kind of takes a little bit of the daily pressure off. But for the most part, you know, ever since the year 2000, I've kept my word count, my daily word count, daily and weekly and yearly word count on a spreadsheet. So I can go back to any year and any month and see how many words I've written. And I've tried to keep that steady pace 
And that's really what, um, what has led to me having the books that I have because it's just working every day and, and not, you know, not looking too far back or too far ahead, but concentrating on the pages in front of me. Oh yeah, so that's the so yeah, like getting a habit or yeah. Most of the writers I've interviewed have talked about that. It's just it's just like you know, yeah, like exercising. <laughs> yeah, it is. You, I try to write the first thing in the morning, or at least I get what I call my nifty three fifty. That is three hundred and fifty words. If I can get three hundred fifty words done, you know, early, and um, you know, uh, that's not you know that's not that hard to do really if you're you know ready to roll then that takes a lot of the pressure off then i know that i i only need 650 the rest of the day and um but it's also i'm i'm a morning person some people aren't morning people some people write at night you just have to find your best rhythm your best biorhythm for writing and then stick to it I just a couple of weeks ago, I read um, uh, one of your books, on How to Write Pulp Fiction, and I really enjoyed that. I mean, I've always been fascinated by those guys, you know, like Lester Dent and those people, and mm-hmm. and your book was uh, was fascinating. How in the, I mean, they were a typewriter, no word processor, no internet to do research. Uh, you know, that is it's so amazing to think that that someone like uh, Earl Stanley Gardner uh, would write a million words a year on these manual typewriters just pounding it you know actually you know he was a successful lawyer too so early on when the dictaphone became uh sort of like early technology the old um wax rollers sort of that would um record your voice and he started dictating his books and he had a team of secretaries to do the transcribing so he was one of the early adopters of like voice recognition software. <laughs> yeah, like a dragon <laughs> training your dragon. <laughs> yeah, only he had to do it. He had to do it with uh, dictaphones and secretaries. <laughs> yeah, I remember that my, when my father would do that in the sev- early seventies. You know, with a little yeah. tape recorder, and then send it off to the secretaries. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, and I really like that story about that one. I can't remember the author, but he was there was like a big party at his place, and he just like, okay, everybody, keep partying, and he just sat in the corner and. And typed his <laughs> words. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was uh, from a book by uh, a guy named Frank Gruber, who wrote a book called the, "The Pulp Jungle," and it's a great, very entertaining book. I don't, I don't know if it's still in print. Um, maybe could find a used copy. But yeah, he talked about being at a party in New York with all these writers and everything, and this, the host of the party said, you know, he had a story due the next morning, and <laughs> you know, he just went in a corner. And got out his typewriter and typed the rest of the the night, and then turned it in the next day. Um, they, they were there were some crazy stories like that in those pulp days, um, but in in a way they're inspiring because these guys just sat down and did it. They they knew how to write a story. They knew uh, how much they had to work, and they were often writing for a penny a word, and uh, so they had to keep they had to keep stuff going all the time in order to make any kind of living. Yeah. I, I found an interesting parallel because I, the, as a, as an independent publisher, as a self-published guy, uh, they release a lot of expectation now from readers that they want more than one book a year out. So you kind of have to get into that mindset sort of like yes. the pulp writers did. No, I think that's one of the reasons I wrote that book, um, is to encourage people to think more like pulp writers because they, you know, they, 
they didn't have the luxury of, uh, you know, sitting around bemoaning their fate. <laughs> they had to actually get to work and do it. And um, they were true professionals in every sense of the word. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, instead of uh, the parties, just shut down that uh, Facebook or whatever. <laughs> and hey, focus. that's a good point. You know, we have our own uh, online parties now. Yeah. We need to just, yeah, turn off and get go in our corner and write. Yeah, yeah let everybody else be arguing about whatever and you yeah. get, get your words done. <laughs> well, that's a good point, you know, and uh, one of the challenges now is um, the distraction of uh, social media and the internet. It, it, there's a book called a uh, deep work, uh, by Cal Newport. Uh, and it was a very good and, um, valuable read about, you know, why we easily, you know, jump on social media, uh, because it's, it's easy and it's, it's sort of like dopamine candy, you know, it's just like, uh, uh an easy way to get to get away from the hard work that you're doing. And it's so important, I think, for writers to be able to discipline themselves to stay focused on their pages as they're writing, do that work, do nothing else. And then when you're done with your work, then you go off and you do whatever else you want to do. I feel a reward, a little dopamine fix at the end. That's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what are you working on now? Well, let's see. The, uh, right now, I'm editing um, my next Mike Romeo thriller, getting ready to whip that into shape. I'm also developing the next one. And uh, one of the things I counsel writers to, to do is be kind of like a movie studio where you, you have a film that's filming. You have another film that's been green lighted, ready, you know, ready to go. And then you have uh, several projects in development. So, uh, you know, I'll be thinking about possible, um, you know, plot complications. I'll be doing a little bit of writing, maybe a little bit of outlining on, on a couple of different projects, but just kind of want to keep things going. So, uh, right now I'm concentrating on Mike Romeo. I've also got a couple of book, new writing book ideas that I'm, uh, I'm going to be uh, finishing up too. So I've got, uh, I've got the plate pretty full. Oh, that's wonderful. And then just uh, for the listeners, um, your website is jamescottbell.com. That is correct. And I highly recommend people to go there. you got a lot of stuff uh, for fans of thrillers and for writers. Um, I highly recommend well, your, your, your books and to check out your website. Thank you. Yes. All right, James. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time to talking to us. Uh, it's been uh, a lot of fun uh, talking with you. And back at you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. I'd like to ask you to please review and rate this uh, podcast over on iTunes. It really helps me get the word out. If you take a few seconds of your time to uh, do that, it would be much appreciated. You can also visit my website at thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast for show notes on this episode, as well as information about the uh, podcast in general. And you can also sign up for my mailing list there. You'll be getting uh, special offers from our guests, as well as information, uh, behind the scenes information on the podcast. And uh, please do visit my author website at alanpeterson.com. I appreciate your support. And so until next episode, I will talk to you then.